Hello, everyone in podcast land. I'm David. And I'm Jono. And this is the podcast where we pucker up and, you know, watch our words because it's the Let's Wing It podcast. And we have to really be careful because now everyone's digging up everyone's secrets. That's right. We have a treat for you this week. We are going to be talking about some spicy YouTube related topics. Talking about, you know, all the scandals going on, XQC, Colleen Ballinger. Uh, we also are going to talk a little bit about NPC streaming, our thoughts on it, what's going on, uh, giving you a primer if you don't know anything about it. Ice and then we're going to so do yum. the, the uh, yeah, yeah, yum, pop, 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 pop. Uh, and then, you know, just some other topics. We watched some movies, uh, including, you know, I watched The Flash uh, and... Jono has something. I have another thing. We're going to talk about those. We're going to surprise yeah. you with stuff not to watch and stuff to watch. So yeah. enjoy it. And this is all brought to you uh, by the letter H for how much I love you. And uh, Well, we, we love we love everyone, <laughs> but we also love our Patreons. So, oh, you know, our yeah. drummits, you know, if you want, you want some exclusive content, you just want me to be kind of just posting random stuff, me ranting. But not like the Colin, Colleen Ballinger way, because that was really weird. Uh, but also, like, you know, we, we have fostered a very awesome community. And also, shout out, a really early shout out, Matthew Noonan helped yeah. me out um, to prank Colton during, uh, I know this is going to timestamp this, uh, LTX uh, Colton. So uh, that was really awesome. If you want to know what happened, uh, join our Patreon. You know, it's super cheap. It just goes directly mm. to us. Well, I mean, partially to Patreon, but yeah, just go patreon.com slash let's wing it and, you know, be a, be a supporter. And also there's a pre-show you get. So it's really exclusive. We just finished it and it's like about 10, 20 minutes usually. And you ask questions and we'll answer them. And it's unfiltered and it's, it's raw. We talk yeah. about the real shit. Yeah. You Although we are talking about the real <laughs> shit today. <laughs> yeah. You can also see me panic uh, when I, when I don't have the sponsor stuff ready, but that that's fine. Yeah. Sorry, it's okay. sorry, Beacon. Sorry, Beacon. <laughs> well, why don't we start off with uh, the question that's on everyone's mind is yeah. NP stream- NPC streamers. Yeah. Why? So, NP streamers. <laughs> so, viewers or listeners, if you don't know what is going on, is that uh, platforms like TikTok, uh, I think Instagram Reels is going to start doing live streaming things like this. And also, I think YouTube just kind of launched it too. But, you know, Pretty much in a nutshell, NPC streamers are people who just act like non-playable characters in video games. And usually enough in situations like this, those prompts and they say things. But in this situation where if you gift them something like you can put an ice cream sticker or a cowboy hat or yeah. a gang stuff that costs sign. real money. Yeah. yeah. These things cost real money and they will act it out. It's like, oh, I, I, David gives me an ice cream. This one streamer, Pinky Doll. He goes, ice cream. Oh, oh, ice cream. So yum, yum. And it's just so weird because it has that level of uncanny valley that you're like, mm-hmm. is this real? Is this person actually doing this stuff? And it is. So it's something that rose to prominence very recently with Pinky Doll, especially, who's actually a French Canadian streamer, which is really cool. Which is uh, cool, And you can sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can see her break character sometimes and she, you know, chastises her son in French. Uh, and I mean, shout out Canada. Yeah. But it is apparently built out of a GTA style NPC thing where, you know, people come and, you know, they do like specific actions mm-hmm. uh, based on the prompts. Uh, and what's interesting, and I think the part that I find fascinating is that all the NPC streamers will have OnlyFans and it's a good 
you know, family friendly way to find people and point them to their OnlyFans contents where they're making the yeah. real money. Although Pinky Doll, she was raking in tens of thousands of dollars a day when she when she was kind of peaking. Yeah. I don't know if she's still doing that, but I, uh, I think she's still making like lots lots of money. Many there. thousands a day. She's yeah. making more money on her OnlyFans, I'm gonna assume. Uh, but it's just it was just it's such a fascinating kind of situation because I'm always because I'm in the industry, at least on the business or development side, is I've always been kind of curious what was next. And I didn't see this coming. I knew mm-hmm. it was probably something on the level of streaming because streaming has just exploded in mm-hmm. the last two years, maybe because of COVID, because you have that intimate, mm-hmm. you know, parasocial relationship with your viewers and better engagement. But it was just so odd just seeing this thing because when you go on tiktok it's really interesting because you actually will get kind of forced into live streams and this Mm -hmm. is such in a weird situation where you just don't know if this was real ai or whatever Mm -hmm. you will stop and you just want to know like what every action she's gonna do because it's all unique technically and it's just like i i remember watching her one time i was like is so weird but i can't stop (laughs) so what i find fascinating is this yeah this idea of how there's i mean there's so many aspects of this that i found fascinating but tiktok is all about capturing your attention in the first second and a half like it's it's youtube you know you you get your appies that are like 20 20 seconds tops and you have to capture attention in 20 seconds or with a thumbnail uh but tiktok's even faster there's no warning to what you're about to watch you just you scroll, you're loading something, you're watching mm-hmm. something. And so the idea that, yeah, these NPC streamers are one of those, like, you can't look away from things. It's fascinating to me. Yeah. And then, like I said, you add the dimension of the NPC streamers are often or more, yeah, more often than not are online sex workers. And so yeah. this is part of their sales funnel. And TikTok is is a very common, you know, sales funnel. If you don't know what that is, you mean you you you're trying to attract as many people mm-hmm. and point them towards a point where you are selling them something. Yeah. Your OnlyFans. So TikTok is like a great sales funnel for these people yeah. because you can catch millions and millions of people, and obviously not millions of people are going to sign up for your OnlyFans, but you can you know get them hooked in and push them towards that point. Mm-hmm. And so these NPC streamers have realized that this is a great way to do the sales funnel. But to me, what's really fucking weird. <laughs> is that when you look at NPC streaming as, uh, you know, a sexual thing yeah. in that context, what the fuck is wrong with people yeah. that like they want to like look at women as like brainless objects yeah. for sex? And yeah. I'm like, it fu- it fucking creeps me out so yeah. much. It's it definitely is 100 percent like it is very weird. Like it is yeah. that kind of like aspect of control. It was actually funny. Um, you ever remember that Jared Butler um action sci-fi movie called Gamer? Uh I don't think I've ever seen it, yeah. but I know the one you're talking about. So basically enough, the whole aspect of the movie is that um, you know, just I'm not gonna get into the story, but like it's someone at home able to control someone in a kind of a gaming realm. So Gerald Butler is mm. in the kind of an action point A to B, try to get to the end. But there is someone basically they took that same tech and they had like avatars where people would just like let other people control them. Uh, and Gerald Butler's character's love interest was someone who would let another person take control and have sex with random other NPCs. 
in there too. Oh. And that whole thing kind of reminded me yeah. of that situation. And yeah, it's like, yeah. here's the thing is that like, I do, I will never, I don't think I ever will go pinky doll. Like, no shame on her doing that. It's, no fucking yeah. good for her girl. Get your, get your bag and get yeah. out. Like, get, fuck get, yeah. You know, get paid. It's everyone else supporting that. Yeah. And I think even celebrities, I think it was, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Timberland is like yeah, her Timberland. number one is like number one donator. And he's like, yeah, I love this girl. Well, I'm like, dude, you have a problem. Like, yeah, I don't get it. It's another thing of rich people trying to like control people. Well, th- that's what it feels like to me is like, you want to dehumanize so that you have control. You have sexual and like mm-hmm. in this grand scheme, it's sexual control <clears throat> over yeah. people. And I think it's weird that it's, I think it's, it's weird, but unsurprising that we've come to this. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a very pro sexual liberation guy. Yeah. But I think that like, there's like a real examination to the consequences of like porn addiction in our culture that I think yeah. we've sort of ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's overall better that people, yeah. you know, feel liberated and safe to, you know, look at porn and maybe learn from porn. But I think that like, realistically, it's, it's like, shifting the way we view sexuality and then you yep. combine that with like all these un- un- unhealthy online habits we have through social media and like this weird you know separation between our true human presence yeah. and this like online you know version of ourselves that's reaching out with its tendrils to control elsewhere yeah it really fucking freaks me out and it freaks me <laughs> out that like it's super normal to like seek this kind of like anonymous control yeah. and sexual power over people like it's just like i don't know it, it fucking freaks me out i mean like the whole industry has kind of been fostering like this because um i mean streaming kind of like was birthed because of cam girl websites and mm-hmm. you know like you interact and talk to them like one of my best friends she was a she was a cam girl and mm-hmm. basing up like i was asking her like going like what what is it like and it's just basing up like guys would just like tell you what to do which is just mm-hmm. like another control thing or being able to act out fantasies that they, mm-hmm. they ever would want. And he has like no judgment because it's a hundred percent anonymous. And yeah. with TikTok and all these NPC, there is that same kind of level of anonymity, but also like now, you know, we just t- said like Timberland is like the number one donator. So, you know, he's enjoying this kind of content. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's, it's like a level of like, the porn addiction part, like, yes, like there is a mm-hmm. level where you get kind of like aroused seeing other people doing things, but you are now separating your, oh, you're not kind of making your arousal or these kind of intimate interactions with a virtual self, but you're kind of detaching mm-hmm. yourself on a real level, yeah. which is a very big problem. And, you know, yes, like you can enjoy porn. I don't care, but I there's think a it's a very safe, healthy way to enjoy. Yeah. Porn, there's a sure. very safe, healthy way, but it's all about balance. It's like, it kind of comes down. It's like, you have to kind of realize first you have a problem and to just, you don't have to eliminate porn, but he's like, Oh, I spend two hours a day watching porn. That's a problem. Well, and I, Yeah. I think that it's like, it's not, you know, it, this problem isn't exclusive to porn, yeah. but this, we have a problem. I think with <laughs> modern society, I think especially post COVID where people aren't connecting properly. Mm-hmm. Like we've kind of like lost the ability to, you know, openly yeah. connect with the people around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like part of that is that the internet has like sucked away 
that capacity, not in like yeah. an inherently evil way or something, but like so much of our energy, our social energy goes out to the internet. Mm-hmm. But I think that so many, you know, places we interact with on the internet are controlled by bad actors. And I think yeah. that's a really serious examination. I think as a culture and certainly as individuals, we need to do yeah. where it's like, why am I spending my limited social energy, my like human presence yeah. Like giving it to these corporations that have nothing but the interest of controlling me yeah. and like creating this unhealthy version of myself that seeks out these unhealthy connections. And I think that that's like how it kind of plays down to me. I, I think like OnlyFans girls fucking get it. I think if you feel comfortable yeah. selling photos of your body, fuck yeah. If that's like something you want to do and you can make money, fuck yeah. I don't think the problem lies there. I think the yeah. problem lies with the men or no with the people who are failing to like connect with themselves and the people around them and are seeking, you know, their tendrils are seeking out places controlled by bad actors that are trying to keep them, you know, needing that from them. Like, and it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not real. Like, like it's the same with when I was streaming, like I felt bad for people who I, I like, it's not that it's like, the friendships weren't real is that it's not the same as like being there in person and talking sure. in person or, and it's not like 100% reciprocal. It's, it can't be, yeah. there's like a power dynamic that's different. There's like a one person watching the other person. And like, there's something that's safe about that where it's like, I'm not, nothing is expected of me. I get to watch that person. And that's what our relationship is. And like mm-hmm. on a, some level there is a relationship in that sense, mm-hmm. but it's not one that is fulfilling and healthy in the same way as like hanging out with your friend and like touching grass or like walking through a park or going for a coffee like it's i don't know there's something really fucking horrifying about i mean we can yeah i i 100 agree because like i mean here's here's an example like this is this will date me again oh date this podcast so like ltx just happened and Mm -hmm. you know I was there when like my kind of exposure was just starting. Like I know if I went there again, if I was at LTX, I would probably get like a lot of people like, mm-hmm. you know, knowing who I am, what I do, where I am mm-hmm. now. And like they will know more about my online behavior than I would actually know myself because they just kind of observed me like that. But just like yeah. that, like, like that, that is really like, Let's be straight. It's really cool when that happens, but you know, there was a level where some guy could go be like, Hey man, can you get a selfie and just get a selfie? And then mm-hmm. that's it. And then you don't really have that friendship. Like I know other creators, I know DMS, I know, uh, EPOS, Eddie, and then, you know, uh, yeah. Quinn, I know those people. And then those are the people I want to hang out and just like have conversations. Not because of what they do is because they're great people. And I like talking to yeah. them. But like it's it's that weird kind of balance that you know you have to acknowledge going like this is the kind of behavior that people know us mm-hmm. or know you because you had the, you pretty much had the same experience so you probably mm-hmm. had that experience um, even more so because you're more exposed than I am but uh, it's just a situation where it's like they will mob you and then but it's you feel always feel a little bit left empty and also they take they they take time out of your day. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's it's interesting because I much prefer like the N- LTX style interaction where someone like, you know, stops you, they get a selfie, mm-hmm. they get an autograph. And then I, I usually try and engage and like ask questions like I, like in the show and try and like open it yeah. up to 
you know, what is what what drew you here in terms of like, what do you like about technology? And I try and break it like down into something interesting. And those interactions to me are so much more real than like, you know, someone commenting on a video or or what it is. And it's just like, I feel like it's so weird when you your work is to create a presence online. And that presence is someone's friendship. Um, and it's like, I get it. Like, I feel the same way. Like good mythical morning is probably my closest equivalent where like yep. their job mm-hmm. is to create this online content that makes me feel like I'm, I'm buddies mm-hmm. with Rhett and link, you know, but it's like, no, they don't fucking know who I am. Yeah. They have no fucking clue. And like, they never will, mm-hmm. but there's like a certain dynamic. But then as soon as like, it's real with those people to me, it like shifts and it's still yeah. the power dynamic is weird where it's like, you know, I'm there to serve them. Yeah. Uh, but they're there because they think I'm cool. Like, I, I, it's all weird. Yeah. But I just think, I just think that we're all kind of fucked, and and we're all <laughs> fucked in different yeah. ways. Yeah. And I found it interesting. I had one conversation in particular with someone, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Well, like, how do I get you know started on, on content creation?" And I could tell they were someone that was like dealing with, yeah. you know, loneliness and like depression and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to like break it off from the technical stuff of like. Here's the camera you need. Here's the mic you need. Here's this. And yeah. I'm like, what's your motivation like? Like, tell me about like when you get home from work, like yeah. what, what do you do? And he's like, you know, I just kind of like, I just pop on a video game and I just play until I fall asleep. And I'm like, all right, let's start with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> because like, there's, I, I don't know. I, this has it, become no, way I, bigger no, than the like, topic was supposed yeah, to be, but yeah. it's, it's but, a situation uh, where it's like, you know, people out there now, they, like especially like I'm really scared for my nieces and nephews right now because they're in that zone. Every time I remember when I was back home in Canada, um, they would be stuck on YouTube. Like, and yeah. it was like really crazy. And I now actually I think when Jillian did a FaceTime with my niece, she's like, "It's Jonah with Marquez," and they actually know who Marquez now. It is so like crazy and weird. Yeah. Granted, I mean this whole situation. This whole like aspect is not new. Like this is yeah. This kind of like relationship between like celebrity, yeah, yeah. It's gone since like like the nineteen hundreds. Like you know, people doing yeah. shows, royalty, yeah. presidents, and leaders, and everything. So like, it's just like now it's just so exponentially greater because you see so much content. Content gets shoved in your face. And yeah. you just kind of either sit there like a drone watching it. And, you know, I'm not making fun of anyone who's watching this video or listening to this podcast. Just be aware that, you know, just observe yourself. And like, like I said earlier, you know, observe, write it down logically, be really honest with yourself and then mm-hmm. identify you have a problem. So like, you know, yeah. if you have a problem, cool. You identify that's the biggest part. And then you kind of, you can't fix it the next day. Just take steps to improve yourself. Yeah. Just make it better. Well, and I, I feel like, mm-hmm. I mean, okay, we're gonna get we're gonna get real broad here. Mm-hmm. I feel like in our entire culture and our entire yeah. like media consumption is designed to make us like be consumers. And there's like this this like need and this hole inside our fucking gut, yeah, to consume all the time. Like we yeah. never fucking stop consuming media, mm-hmm. and like. That's general. Like, obviously, there's some people that are like, you know, meditating and, you know, going away to the to the vacation. But like everyone I fucking know 
it's like they fall asleep with like a video playing in the ear with music playing in the ear like they take a shower a video has to be playing like we're we're avoiding you know being Mm -hmm. alone with our thoughts and we just like have created this need for content Mm -hmm. but what that's done is created a need for content in the sense that like so much content has to be created and so much of it sucks and it's like (laughs) so much of it is like this like super off the cuff um shit where it's like okay i identified that like there's someone that wants this there's someone that needs this noise there's someone that's going to be listening to this podcast yeah being like like kind of half you know half cut in the sense that like they're only half with it because like they needed Mm -hmm. their brain to be turned off because life fucking sucks yeah uh and we have this just like this we have this hole that's being dug deeper and like wider by the media we consume yeah which makes the hole bigger which makes us need to consume more and i feel like we're in this societal collapse where the individual has like lost the ability yeah to moderate the media they consume like we're Mm -hmm. so deep in this hole where everyone is just like it's just the ultimate consumer where we can't stop fucking consuming all the time you you are the ultimate consumer and then ultimate producer because here's the one thing too just to add in yeah is that you know we consume so much but now actually as a society we are actually the like most efficient producers we've ever mm-hmm. been because mm-hmm. we have machines technology and everything so you have like high earnings well you know then i'm just being kind of broad so you get you're earning relatively more and things are relatively cheaper so you just mm. dump your money. So like a dollar, yes, like inflation shit, whatever. But like I can buy a bunch of bananas for a buck sixty eight. Like, which is yeah. crazy when you think about it. Because back well, then, like years ago, it's like so much cheaper. <laughs> but it's it yeah. becomes this whole cynical thing of just like you, you know, you go go to work, you work your ass off, you make a bunch yeah. of money, you go home, you watch a bunch of like NPC streamers, and you dump all that money, and you just yeah. do that fucking cycle again and then yeah that's how you lose like honestly like well and i i mean like you're 100 right and like no. every individual is responsible for the choices they make and i think mm-hmm. like you can you can recognize the patterns in society and and you know bemoan those things but like as an individual i'm responsible for the media i consume for the time i spend yeah consuming it but i also think like it's super fucking weird that we're we're in a state of society where everything yeah. costs 10 times more than it did, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. Except, except like media. <laughs> yeah. And the tools to consume media. Like, yeah. how fucking weird is it that, you know, getting educated costs fucking 10 times more than 50 years ago? That mm. like getting healthcare costs 10 times more than like 10, like 20 years ago. Yeah. But buying a TV is fucking cheaper. That getting like your, yeah. your media to your fucking face into your brain hole. Yeah. It's cheaper than it's ever been. Like there's oh, something yeah. fucked up about this economic reality that simplifies or that makes it so easy to fall into the like, well, why would I do anything other than consume media? No, honestly, like even just to add into that, I know in the last past episodes, I freaking like promote AMC to this shit because of the A- <laughs> A-list yeah. stub system. And it's a good deal. <laughs> it's a good deal. Uh, but like just like using that example for pricing, $25 per month and getting three movies per week. That's yeah. insane. Like, that's 12 what? movies. That's $2 a ticket. That was cheap. That is cheaper than I remember movies back in the 90s when it was used to be $8. And 
and yeah. counting for inflation, eight dollars back then is like about fourteen dollars today. So it's like yeah, it's like it's just stupid cheap, and like it yeah. all literally, you just go there, consume. You literally consume because it just it's a box. They tell you to turn off your phone, everything. Yeah. You're eating popcorn, which is just in margins of the roof, yeah. Coke well, and everything. It's just it's just yeah, it's crazy. Like as a capitalist system too, you think about how devalued the individual pieces of content have become. Like you yeah. think like 20 years ago to watch a movie, you had to go and buy the DVD, the Blu-ray or whatever, spend $30 uh, on one movie, which is, you know, $40, $45 today. And you would pay that much and you would get one movie and that's what you got. Yeah. And like, it meant something. It was an investment into something. And like, even if you didn't like it, you kind of had to like, at least convince yourself that it was worth it on some level. Yeah. Uh, but now like content has no worth. There's yeah. I, I pay eight dollars a month, ten dollars a month, five ninety nine a month for different services, and I get thousands of fucking movies, and I can't consume them fast enough. There is constant yeah. new stuff to watch, yeah. and it's just like none of it has value, yeah. and so like we just we just fill, we just fill our hole, we just fill our hole. Yeah, fill the buttholes, but like it just like um like even for us like I have um Disney Plus, I have Hulu, I have Paramount, mm-hmm. I have YouTube Premium. Like I get some of these things because you know we do this podcast and we talk about movies and yeah I have them too. YouTube. It's not that I'm yeah yeah well like well a little bit hypocritical like you know like oh, that's that's sure. how we are but we do acknowledge that like, hey it's a problem and, like even for me like Jillian Jillian and I will just like have the TV on and we're like oh let's just put on the TV show in the background that we've seen like a thousand times because 100%. it's just background noise and, oh dude I do it all the time yeah and it's just like it's that kind of part where now you know. Like it signals someone on you know Hulu side going, hey, this these these people really love like home, I'm watching home economics and then and they're like let's just make more shows about home mm-hmm. economics for because they think that it is a great show and it, they do it but they don't realize that we just have as white noise literally and we just kind of pop in going oh what what's that person doing ha ha mm-hmm. and then we just kind of go on through our day yeah well and I think like I'm not even blaming the individual for this, you know, eventual devaluation of media. I think it's like the studios did it to themselves. It's like they, and they've, they are active players in it. Like we, we are going to talk about the strikes. We, maybe we can talk about it right now. Yeah. yeah. Like both the writer's union and the acting union are on strike because they recognize that like, we're at this threshold, this turning point where either like we kind of like go Mm. back to the way things were, uh, where, a piece of media was something that everyone got to share the profits from. Not everyone, but like, you know, this idyllic version of it yeah. where more people got to partake in the, the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. Or we go to this like current and what the studios want to be the new, like the, the ongoing version where mm-hmm. the profit gain is centralized to just the core of whoever is producing it. Yeah. And it's cheaper to produce than ever. So that when they say cheaper to produce, and this is like, yeah. if you ever hear this, like people be like, you know, we, we want to cut the inefficiencies. The inefficiencies are always people. That's, yeah. that's what it is, is they're trying to cut people out of, you know, part of yeah. the profit of a thing. And sometimes you have to, like, that's just like the future. Like, yeah, you know, Uber I mean, took over taxi because it yeah. was a more efficient, better. But in this case, mm. it's hard because, the, the corporations want to use all these tools to make efficient, i.e. cutting out people's 
profit yeah. uh, on media in a way that like is scary because it's already happened. Like all those actors that are getting like literally like nickels for residuals on shows they were main characters from and yeah. still get tens of thousands of views, hundreds of thousands of views per month mm-hmm. where like the streaming services are making so much money. And part of it is that, you know, those streaming services have stretched themselves so thin. Like Netflix has so many shows they couldn't afford to pay the residuals. Yeah, they're making yeah. billions of dollars a month, but like they would be paying out billions of dollars of residuals if they stuck to the old system. Mm-hmm. So as consumers, we're responsible for, you know, this dilemma where the studios have to produce so much content, but they can't afford to pay out the content uh, that that yeah. in a way that works that like it used to work. Yeah. But it's like it's not also that simple because there is levels of inefficiency that can be yeah like er- eradicated like executives yeah and creative <laughs> and decision makers that are being paid way too much for dis- bad decisions uh, i mean and okay, so okay. well okay wait wait, wait, wait. so uh just to kind of give background to the viewers who may be living under a rock and everything so yes. there is a huge in north america at least and then we'll maybe we'll talk about other places but north america is having this huge entertainment strike so it started off as the writers guild of america wga i think it is um mm-hmm. strike you know you know they stopped writing they stopped supporting the productions that was going on yeah. uh, because they were getting unfairly treated and also address what you said. And they wanted mm-hmm. to address all these new streaming platforms uh, mm-hmm. because the studios were starting to work on a deal on making them kind of like gig workers. So think of like yes. DoorDash for writers, which is completely yeah. fucked up because here's the big yeah. thing is that writers like, it's such a weird dilemma because like it's even in TV shows, they make fun of writers. Like they make fun of themselves because they are like pretty much the most underpaid people in the entertainment industry because mm-hmm. they just, they, they're not the talent. They're not front of the camera. They're the yeah. people behind the scenes, but even behind the scenes, they are getting vastly underpaid and, these people are the ones who are actually making the content. They actually are the ones who spark that awesome idea. And then, mm-hmm. yes, some actors can bring a, a level of, of quality to your content mm-hmm. to make it very addicting and et cetera. So those, all those situations, and it was going on for like three months. And yeah. well, and yeah. I, I want to yeah. say, let's just talk about just specifically yeah. the writers okay, one. Cause yeah, yeah. a big thing they, they were working for. Yeah. And that's like a big contention point is that, you know, in the studios cutting Cutting out inefficiencies, yeah. they basically made it that writers' rooms were only staffed for a couple weeks. And bef- yeah. it used to be that when shows were being written, the entire writing staff, or at least the majority of the writing staff, mm-hmm. would be employed during the entire shooting. Because inevitably, when you go to shoot an episode, you have to make changes, you have to adjust, you have mm-hmm. to like write new episodes on the fly. And so the writing staff was part of the crew. It was part yeah. of the entire production because showrunners knew they fucking needed that. And that allowed for, you know, more creative like chances for more reactive content. Like you're able to adapt to things on the fly. Yeah. Uh, and then it also I think this is a really important point. Yeah. It allows for the really talented writers to get the experience on being on a show to yeah. become showrunners. And yeah. so they get to see like, you know, they get to see the showrunner, see how it's done. They get to experience the production. They get to see, yeah. you know, the nuts and bolts of how it works and get better at that side of it which not only yeah. just makes them a better writer because mm-hmm. they can understand the scope and the natural pace of things 
But eventually, yeah, they can become showrunners. Yeah. And it's just but, like, oh, yeah, 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 you know, and then, you know, they started cutting them out. Uh, well, mm-hmm. the, this new deal was going to cut them out. Well, they had also, already been cut out. So it, yeah. on most streaming services, basically, they would hire writers mm-hmm. before the show started filming. They would hire a writer's oh, room right. for a couple, like just a couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, and they would keep the showrunner for the whole show. But the showrunner isn't like just a writer. They're yeah. the showrunner. So if you don't know, on TV shows, the executive producer is like the showrunner and they're generally like, you know, the creator, but they are the executive producer. They're in charge of the show of everything. Yeah. But in the streaming model, the executive producer has kind of basically become like the sole writer on the show. They get, they write the episodes, they fire, they get rid of the gig writers. Mm-hmm. And then that showrunner is the only person left that is allowed to write stuff for the show. Yeah. So as they go up, they have to adapt. It's like, it's all on that person. Yeah. And it's apparently not doing it's not good it's not good for the writers neither of us are hollywood writers but from what i understand from the writers um it is not it has been bad (laughs) yeah it's they also only get like a flat fee and then they have to like Mm -hmm. do rewrites for free that's why i i've kind of like i've kind of did a lot of my research from uh adam conover um and also hassan and just like kind of like having him kind of inform me i'm like what's going on this whole situation Mm -hmm. And like, cause some writers will, they might get a stipend or they might get signed to like $60,000 to write for like the studio. Oh, this like couple mm-hmm. shows. And, yeah. but you know, $60,000 sounds a lot, but when they're doing it for a whole year living in Hollywood and also they're working 80 uh-huh. hours a week, it's yeah. like, un, like they're literally making $8 an hour and yeah. they're getting stressed out. They're dying. The health goes bad. And also they don't even get benefits. They don't even get yeah. like the health benefits that, yeah. one should get and well yeah. and yeah there's something so fucked up about like all the stories you hear about like not even just like writers but showrunners now but writers especially who are creating these blockbuster shows like yeah. the guy who did who created and wrote squid games he got his flat fee and then they're like yeah that's it <laughs> and it's like why aren't they rewarding this fucking brilliant dude who gave yeah. netflix one of its biggest breakout properties ever and it's like well that's inefficient that's not you know that's not how we do business and it's like Mm -hmm. well then how you do business fucking sucks and we need to reevaluate how you're doing your fucking business yeah and also like it's also like the strike is also um fighting against you know with the rise of ai like yes Mm -hmm. chat is kind of like a baby at writing scripts but i mean here's the thing is that with technology it just takes that one step and then yeah. the next, like, then it's two, then it's four, then eight, and it becomes exponentially better and faster. Mm-hmm. And even for me, like I just had a chat about uh, AI the other day, and yeah. I, you know, they asked me, "Was like, what, well, what are you afraid of about with generative AI?" And I was like, "I'm afraid of reliance. I want it mm. to just help me destroy, you know, get rid of the mundane things. So like how I use AI, especially like I use Notion AI. I go, hey, Notion." Um, you make me like a database that will do this, this, and this, and this, because mm-hmm. I just don't want to do it. Like, but yeah, I fill fair. in all the grabs, and yeah, but I don't want a reliant society going. Hey, write me the first chapter, and then I'll just like tweak it a bit. Like that's what yeah. I'm afraid of. Well, and, I think that like, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, finish your thought. Finish oh yeah, no, thought. and then that's that's where I think a lot of the writers now these days, like a really prime example, is that they can see that they know 
that is like going to be the future is that they might get replaced by these like tools that executives would love because it's pennies on the dollar. Like it's, not even it's so efficient. Yeah. It's so efficient. It's so cheap. Like, I mean, it's not even pennies. It's like, Oh, basically not free. And Nothing. then they yeah, can it's just, just free. Yeah. It's just, it's just crazy how executives can think about that. Cause here's one thing I, I just want to interject is that I used to be anti-union for the longest time. Mm. And here's the reason why back in the nineties, when, I was growing up in Canada with my parents and everything. My dad was part of a union. Um, it was a company called Western Bakery back in uh, Vancouver. And, you know, it used to be a big bakery thing. And my dad was there for about I think, six months and everything. Oh, yeah. no, maybe. And Western Bakery year. sells stuff in grocery stores, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like they, yeah, it, yeah. It, was, it was like the big bakery on the West Coast. And yeah. the bakery decided to go on strike. And they just apparently what I heard... I haven't really looked into this. They were getting a pretty good deal, but the bakery just kept the union wanted more and more and more. And mm. the executives was like, we can't support this. So they shut everything down. So my dad lost his job in mm-hmm. the office building. And we were like this close of my dad just giving up and going back home. So mm. I was always against the unions because I was like, what yeah, you guys, that personal yeah. experience. Yeah. yeah. That personal experience. But now growing up and just seeing how the world is like, even for me, I'm thankfully enough in a really great job. I'm getting compensated really well, <laughs> but I always notice like all these other situations where like some people like Amazon drivers, they're getting yeah. fucked. Like it literally, so I always feel so bad. Like yeah. I'm buying something and here in America, you could do overnight for free. And I'm just like, <sighs> like one time I didn't even know I was doing it. I was like, Oh cool. I can get this tomorrow. And then I just like had to think about it. I'm like, it just like, I buy it like at 10 PM and it gets here at, 8 a.m. That's insane. And like just thinking yeah. about the workload and what it takes. And it's just, it's just sad. But anyways, I, I'm kind of going back with unions. So now, you know, no. TLDR, I've kind of realized I love unions now, but there mm-hmm. is a balance. So mm, I'm hundred percent. Yeah. I'm always, well, and I think that it's, it's very tough. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, there is definitely, you know, frustrating situations and it's yeah. every, pretty much every issue is, is more complex than any one side would have you believe. Yeah. But I think, you know, what we've experienced in our lifetime and even yeah. before we were born is that every technological shift yeah. that we've had has allowed for this massive transfer of wealth from, yeah. you know, mass population to a smaller and smaller group of people. As this technology has progressed, yeah. you know, they've increased productivity by cutting out what the people were getting. Yeah. And so, you know, every job, every industry has been radically transformed by robotization, computerization, now mm. AI, uh, because, you know, the, 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 the executives at the top are able to cut out the human cost, replace them with cheaper, mm. cheaper, you know, automation. Yeah. Uh, and then it, it just keeps happening and happening and happening. And yeah. it's the same thing in the entertainment industry where it's been slowly happening. This, transfer of wealth and power up yeah. due to technology where more and more people were able to create content because it got mm-hmm. easier to create content because the technology got better this democrat democrat democratization yeah democratization of tech of media technology made it that more people could create technology which is inherently a good thing yeah but then it also meant that it was easier for the top people to spread out and get cheaper media to create and then it allowed for these media empires to form around yeah. cheap content reality tv all these things that cost almost nothing but still fill our brain holes yeah and it's we're now experiencing you know a breaking point where we 
the the industries and the unions have recognized that there is a another massive transfer of wealth that's about to happen mm-hmm. because of AI. Yeah. And they recognize that the shift is about to happen again and this is the last this is the last stand before mm-hmm. it's too late in my yeah. opinion yeah. Uh, for the media industry where you know not only the writers can be replaced by AI and automation but the actors as well. And so let's bring it to the acting strike because yeah. You know, there was about a month of the just the writers striking and then SAG, yeah. the Screen Actors Guild. Yeah, I know. It's, it. it's super crazy because like I'm I had a like I was actually talking to some people in the office about it. They're like, yeah, you know, WAG is striking, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I just wait until SAG gets in because that <laughs> so is much. it's like here's the thing is like it was crazy because like WAG, it was such big media buzz and then it just died down. Because mm-hmm. it's writers, unfortunately enough, it's just that people just don't care about writers. Yeah, they I know the only them. content you, yeah, so the only content you would see is when like actors or celebrities would go and like give out pizza on the the picket line, and you're like, yeah. oh, oh, poor writers, no yeah, one cares. No one they cares. only care about the actors. Yeah. But then say comes in, and then now it's just like a huge thing because you have people like Robert Downey Jr., Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio, like all now joining the picket yeah. lines, which is super cool, but also it's kind of like you guys made it cool again, but it's like, uh, like these guys started to acknowledge those guys. So thankfully enough, some yeah. of them have been like, yeah, now we're joining WAG, which is really good. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, it, oh, go ahead. it's, it's, it's just, it's just, uh, it's interesting to me. And it's a part of why it's such a big deal is not that it's mm. just, you know, these big celebrities doing it is that when the writers strike, a lot of production can still happen. Like most TV shows have to stop because like it's too hard to work without writers uh, or, you know, lots of movies that are about to shoot can't because they can't do rewrites. They can't do this. Mm-hmm. But anything that's like in production is generally OK. Yeah. Um, but as soon as the actors go on strike, everything stops. There is so nothing that can I be made can, anymore. I can actually attest to this whole situation because right next to uh, the current like our studio, the MKBHG studio. We actually are beside another studio that mm. actually does productions. So we were okay. able, we got to see kind of like everything happen. So we saw like the writer strike happen. They picketed. They didn't really bother us because we're good. Um, but we saw them picketing. They were interrupting shoots. So like they're making noise and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was crazy because we're like, wow, we're actually seeing it. And then it kind of died out. Then it kind of burst up again, depending on where the production is, because they are trying to shut down production by making noise. Because here's the big thing when you're shooting videos, um, audio, like these mics here, uh, is such a- Beacon mics. Thanks to our sponsor, Beacon. Thank you, sponsors. But yeah. I love you, Beacon. This doesn't count as a sponsor read, so you guys are still good. Um, But they, you can, basically, if, if you hear audio, it's so hard to cut it out. Like even with AI technology, it's so hard to cut out like banging, singing, ringing, you know, whatever. And so they shut down that whole production and it was awesome. It was kind of, it was kind of funny, but also kind of sad because I'm, I, all the producers are in the same building as us. So we hear them talk about it Yeah, and it sucks. But now the screen actors, the actors are now on strike. So we can see everything like that lot is filled with like production trucks. Like you can see like <laughs> even like even the toilets are there, the generators like the yeah, I have everything. never. Yeah, I've never seen this parking lot this filled yeah. and it's just completely gone. And I'm talking to the producers. I'm like, so what do you guys think? It's like they 
a lot of producers and a lot of like these people that unfortunately can't work right now support these unions. It's yeah. not all these people. It's the executives. The executives are yeah. literally fucking everyone. And yeah. even in the past, like David and I both praised Bob Eager going, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. He has also yeah. said some fucked up shit too. Lately. He's yeah. He's a, he's, we can praise him, especially relative to the guy he was ousting as CEO of Disney. I think we, at the time, and especially now, we can definitely recognize he's still, you know, a, a fucking rat sucking executive. Yeah, and he doesn't do anything out of the goodness of his heart. He was no. just. I think our hope was that he was a more conniving business person in the yeah. sense that he would produce better content because of it, but. He is proven to be a conniving businessman in the sense that he's going to exploit everyone he can and, you know, cut the inefficiencies, i.e. people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he's it looks like he's trying to, like, piece apart properties or, you know, branches of Disney and sell them. Mm-hmm. Although nothing so far has come of that. That seems to be r- rumors so far. Yeah. But yeah, a big and he's also said some fucking garbage shit about, like, you know, let them eat cake or stuff to that effect. Yeah. Um, or they're being unreasonable with their expectations. Yeah. And it's tough because like, you know, well, it, are they being unreasonable with their expectations? Like, is this idea of like not including AI yeah. reasonable? Mm. And it's tough. So let's talk specifically about one of the things that the acting guild is yeah. striking against. And that is the they want to prevent the studios from being able to scan background actors faces or their likeness mm-hmm. and be able to generate content using that likeness in perpetuity. But the kicker is, is that they would pay them a half day rate, which is about $200. So you would pay someone $200 to get a scan that you can use forever. Yeah. So and uh, that's super fucked up. Yeah. So if like, so here's the thing. So back up here. So, you know, yeah. with the screen actors or actors, right? These still have like that, those kind of weird society bubbles, right? Like you have the, like all the Robert Down Juniors, like those people are still like within the top 5%. Then yeah. 95% people who aspire to be the 5% or whatever, they only make yeah. like twenty six or $27,000 per year. Worse than yeah. some of the writers, but who knows? I'm not going to compare. And there is apparently a level is that if you don't make enough money in the screen actor field, you don't get healthcare. I think if you are yeah, yeah. less than 27 or more than sure. whatever. And these that's people like, don't. That's, it's hard to earn as an actor. Like it's yeah. like you ha- like if you're doing day rate, it takes a long time to make $27,000 as an actor. Yeah. Cause I think um, it's like only like, I think it's like, you only and as an extra, like extra, like these people like live off, like trying to become actors, but they're, they're making a barrier so high that it is just going to be nearly impossible, yeah. especially since if you can do what you talking about, the scanning part, you're fucked. It like, I, I understand that that technology kind of was birthed because of like Lord of the Rings and the big battle yeah. scenes, but good luck ever trying to film and use real actors for those, those things. It would cost like the same amount of GDP yeah. as a small little country. Yeah. But that makes sense. But like, if you own them and pay them less and then you, can just use them for whatever forever that's fucked yeah to me it's like it's pretty clear you know obviously we need face scanning obviously we need generative effects and ways to do this to me the problem is how exploitive this pricing model is Mm -hmm. and i feel like it's it's as simple as either putting a time limit on how long they're allowed to use the likeness or a per movie basis (laughs) like you have to scan them 
for yeah. the movie or yeah or just change the pricing model so you can build a bigger library of people that you can use for several years yeah but yeah forever for a half day rate is fucking garbage yeah. like giving your likeness away for two hundred dollars it seems like it's like who would do that who would do that there's thousands of people that would do that without yeah. blinking an eye because mm-hmm. they're fucking desperate and so it's and it's so easy to me to imagine a scenario where like studios exploit it too where it's like oh no 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 like you're you're like brought on this film like you're given a role yeah. we're gonna scan you as well and then like you know that's just part of it and then they use it forever yeah and so it's like an up-and-coming star you could totally fuck them over by including mm-hmm. the scanning clause or whatever yeah and like it's it's so clear to me just like you know we're trying to cut the inefficiencies we're trying to cut paying people for their time and their likeness, which yeah. should be worth something, I feel, mm-hmm. um, so that the executives can make more money. Here's here's the thing: what we need to do, we need <laughs> to replace certain jobs with AI, and those certain jobs are executives. Yeah. AIs <laughs> are fantastic yeah. at risk calculation, data analysis, like looking at patterns and like creating algorithms. Yeah, the exact same thing that executives do. Executives make decisions yeah. based on risk analysis on difficult scenarios and ai is really fucking good at doing that ai is not currently good at writing scripts at replacing humans at doing yeah. it is great Creativity. at decision making yeah yeah and so let's that's what we need to do we need to either you know eat the executives or just replace them with ai and <laughs> so, let them uh, you know live in the yes. social security nets that they have fought so hard against yeah. so here's here's the thing so technically i'm one of those executives like i'm a person fuck. that fuck. fuck you um <laughs> no so for me i kind of go like it's a balance i actually like jelly and i always have these conversations every day because mm-hmm. like i negotiate for marquez like i get all the contracts it's a lot of money because it costs a lot of money to make videos but you know, I always say to Jillian, I was like, you know, even though if like, let's say if I was making like, like a high, super stupid six figure contract, I don't think I would ever feel comfortable with, with making that much money. Like I would have enough to feel comfortable that I will never have to go. Oh yeah. You know, I'll, let's go out to eat. Like I'll never have to go. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I go out to eat? But yeah. I don't think I'll ever be in that part where, I'm, oh, let's go buy a McLaren today or a Ferrari. I never want to be that rich because it's just, yeah, it just sounds stupid. And it's like, whatever. Well, no one should be. That's yeah. the thing. That's the thing that's like, I think fundamentally broken is yeah. like, no one should be so rich. And like the, the, the whole money system is fucking broken because yeah. no single person yeah. is actually creating that much value that they should be able to go and spend $500,000 on a whim. Yeah. Like they're. I don't care what you say. Yeah. Executives aren't working harder than a common laborer. Like, think yeah. about this. Yeah. If you were given the choice of a $50,000 a year salary mm-hmm. and you could either, you know, be a, a, a fucking where, warehouse worker loading shelves, yeah. uh, you know, driving a forklift, doing stuff, physical labor, or being a CEO sitting in a boardroom, taking calls, making, like, making decisions, doing that, yeah. which job are you going to do, do you think? Yeah, of course you're gonna want to be the CEO because you don't have to do so, backbreaking labor. That's a fucking easier job, like a more desirable job. <sighs> and and like when you look at it yeah. on a grand scheme, I know what you're gonna say, John. You're gonna be yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. no, you know, they have to make hard decisions. They yeah. have to. It's a stressful life, and like yeah. they have to be engaged twenty four seven. They never yeah, get yeah. a break. Yeah. And this is true. This is yeah. true. I'm not saying that it's not 
you know it's not like they're yeah. fucking all elon musk able to be the ceo of fucking seven comp- yeah, companies yeah. at once yeah doing absolutely nothing real but those people aren't generating value in a real sense they're not yes. producing anything real to the effect of yeah. 300 to 400 times more than the average yeah, worker. Yeah, so, so so that's why I'm saying it's that I don't think I ever feel comfortable making 300, 400 times more than like someone else. Yeah. Like pay me like something that you feel is fair. Like even when I go in contract negotiation for myself, I'm pretty bad at it. I'll be honest. Yeah. I fight really hard for other people. I'm really bad at fighting for myself. Sometimes I just mm-hmm. go, yeah, that sounds fair. Yeah. Like I can, yeah. like, can I live on that? Yep. Yes, I can. And I always feel gratification on the things I do. Like, oh, I made I made that video happen. Do this. Yeah. But for me, I I want to be in a society like in this, at least in the entertainment society, is that everyone makes a good amount of money. Yes. Yeah. Like sometimes we kill like some like laborer job. I'm sorry. I'm going to just say it like, oh, maybe like we get rid of like half the team service because we can hire robots to do grip work now, which is great. But like it's the situation where it's like some of these executives just making like five or $10 million a year, just making yes or no questions and answering mm-hmm. the board. I think that's wrong. Well, and especially when you consider that a lot of those executives are making bad decisions, <laughs> which so it's not like, yeah, well, and it's like <laughs> yeah. you look at, you know, the pattern yeah. and it's not like the executives have a history of making better decision than, you know, these non-business people. In yeah. fact, I think you could recognize a pattern that the business people make shitty decisions that move people away from actually engaging with the content. Like, let's talk about Barbie. Yeah. Have you seen it yet? You probably haven't seen it yet. No, we already talked about it last episode. Did we? Oh, yeah. We haven't talked about it. Oh, my God. Go watch our last episode. (laughs) I was like... Um, (laughs) (laughs) Did you forget? We we talked about it. The LTX has definitely fucked you up. But, no, Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. here's... The one but thing yeah. it's no, 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 it's, no, let me yeah, let me finish yeah, my yeah, point about yeah, yeah. Barbie. Go ahead. Barbie, as it exists, as it as it is this huge multimedia sensation yeah. that is gonna crack a billion dollars next week, like in three weeks. It's a huge fucking hit. Yeah. An AI could never have done that fucking movie. It would have done something totally different, something mm-hmm. safe, generic, something so easy to present. The the Barbie movie we expected. Yeah. But that movie Barbie took takes a level of analysis and understanding and like human breakdown of yeah. this human experience that a machine I don't think in like a thousand years will ever be able to replicate in the same way. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, executives, look at that. You need the people, you need the writers, you oh, need sure. the actors, the yeah, directors yeah. to bring their best. Mm-hmm. But because we live in this whole of fucking constant media. That's not interesting. We need to produce more content. We need the AI content to produce as much fucking content as possible. Because in the the mind of the business people, they don't see individual successes. They see the the pattern. They see the whole business numbers. And to them, you know, having 50 movies that profit $100 million. So what's that? $5 billion. $5 billion? What was was the math? Sorry. 50 movies at $100 million. Oh yeah, that'd be about brain. 50, yeah. 50, yeah, 50 billion. Sure. Yeah. It's worth more than having like five fucking masterpieces that each make a billion each. Yeah, yeah. Um so, and it's like it's yeah. all risk it's all risk analysis though they want to have as much stuff that could make money yeah. and as little stuff that I, might not. Yeah. 
And you're, so yeah, look yeah, at Barbie. Yeah, yeah, learn from Barbie. Learn from Barbie. No, um, so here's maybe this is how I differ from uh maybe a lot of other executives or other producers out there who just try to maximize their return on investment, which I think is wrong. Um, I kind of go like this, like I'm technically an executive, but I are what I try to do is I try to service the people, the creativity people the best I can. So help them support mm-hmm. going, Hey, I secured this big budget that we all get paid from, which is great. But now this, like, for example, like when I did the LTT car videos, Hey, cool. I got, I guess I can say this. Um, yeah. Like I got, I secured $20,000 to make a video for the, the mm-hmm. for a series of two videos. So $40,000 mm-hmm. in total. I, you know, went to people. I'm like, okay, we can hire these people. We can do these. We can rent this location. I, mm-hmm. that's how I look at it is that I'm in a service and try to collect a group of people to produce an amazing mm-hmm. product. And maybe that's what's lost now is that these executives used to be like that. They want to make good things. At least that's back yeah. in the 60s, 70s, 80s. But now it's like MBA shit ass people yeah. who just go, oh, stock market. Mm, yeah. Like exactly what yeah. you're talking about is just, you just want to make shit content because it does reasonably well, but they get better return on investment. Yeah. And it's, I think that's, that's a good point where like, I don't think that being a business person makes you inherently bad. And I don't think that it makes you inherently uncreative or, you know, an inherent obstacle to the creative process. I think that the current capitalist system under which we serve has gone so far as to make it that as soon as creative ventures become a business venture, they become eroded as, you know, pieces of art where it's so much of this industry mm-hmm. is an industry. It's no longer an, a personal expression. And there yeah. is of course these indie movies that are absolutely fantastic or these smaller productions that are fantastic and mm-hmm. even stuff on the higher end that is fantastic. But so much of the industry is dictated by these fucking soulless MBAs that only yeah. look at the risk analysis and the return on investments. Yeah. And they're producing these fucking cinematic universes that are so soulless and so empty and so tiring that are driving people away from theaters mm-hmm. and I think are hurting the whole business model because, you know, it boosts it for a bit or like yeah. the, the next year, the, the quarterly numbers are really high, but our, yeah. like our, our value, our perceived value of the media that, you know, they are executives of that they oversee yeah. has crashed because of their decision-making. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's so obvious that like these business people don't understand art and they yeah. don't understand media yeah they literally have like netflix disney plus hopefully enough they change things uh hulu all those these big studio places are literally making content mcdonald's like it's like oh yeah you want it blah 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 content yeah here's here it is like here's cobra kai season five we should have ended in <laughs> season three um yeah. like they just it just becomes so bad. Like in, you know, this is actually what's going to, we're going to talk about later. Like some of the decisions, the shows that I recommend is because of these NBAs going Marvel mm, MCU. Yeah. So good. Yum. Yeah. Yum. Like it's just, yeah, it just, oh, it's, it's, just, just so it's a sure thing. It's, it's a sure thing. Sure thing. Well, people, it, here's the thing. It is a sure thing. People will watch it, but people mm-hmm. will not like it. And then here's a the part that these business people aren't thinking is that every time you put out a shit product, especially a creative product, you create a distrust of the brand. So yeah, for totally. one example is the Call of Duty series. 
Modern Warfare. Mm-hmm. Modern Warfare 1's awesome. 2, awesome. Yep. 3, awesome. 4, getting kind of crappy. 5, getting shit. Black Ops 1's awesome. Black Ops 2's great. 3's shit. 3's 4. And they had mm-hmm. to reboot the entire series because they recognize yeah. it going, shit, these NBA yeah. people really fucked it up. Let's go back to square one. Yeah. And like, I think there is always going to be room for the McDonald's properties, but yeah. I think we, they have overrun mm-hmm. the movie industry. Like you look back at the, you know, the seventies, eighties in cinema and like, you know, I loved star Wars and I, I still love, you know, the original trilogy or whatever, but that was like the change. But at that time, Star Wars was, uh, you know, an absolutely creative venture and it was so exciting, but what it was, was this hugely mm-hmm. profitable franchise that meant that like, mm-hmm. oh, movies can make more money than we thought. Like they didn't have to, you know, make a hundred million, 200. Yeah. Okay. Now we're, now we're getting close to the nine figures. Yeah. And like, that's, that's like a, a shifting point. I think. And I mean, it is a shifting point where like yeah. the franchise films started to become a thing. These big, yeah, like Jaws is the first like summer blockbuster, but like Star Wars is the first big franchise blockbuster that yeah. shifted the entire industry for yeah. the worse, in my opinion. Yeah. And also like one thing too, uh, just add in like, you know, you have the McDonald's of the world, like, which is the Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. MC universe, DC universe. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the reason why dc universe is burger king oh i love burger king no no No, stop but it's fine um but like here's here's one thing which i'm this is why i'm really worried is like Mm -hmm. you have this is reason why a24 is succeeding so Mm -hmm. much lately like they are killing it i know i haven't seen everything all at once i will eventually watch it but like all the properties now that brand is associated with high quality is that yeah. anyone now seeing that brand a24 they will go and watch it but here's what i'm yeah. really worried is that they will i hope to god they don't become greedy and they start becoming the mcdonald's or at the yeah. very least being a franchise of like making pretty okay things under the a24 but they lost the luster of like 10 years ago or whatever well it point. happened to so I don't know if you knew this, but Lionsgate was actually a Vancouver company. Yeah. Uh, and they were making smaller movies that were like generally pretty good. They made like, you know, some horror movies and stuff. But like it was like, oh, Lionsgate movie. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and then it became, you know, big studio shit uh, with it's like all kinds of trash. Yeah. Um, and they went international and whatever. And like, you know, of course, when they become not Canadian, they suck. Yeah. But no, <laughs> uh, it's more that they became so big that they started to have to produce McDonald's content. Yeah. Um. And I, yeah, I hope that doesn't happen with, with A24 because it's, even though I don't enjoy every A, every A24 movie or mm. even like in a similar way, I didn't love Asteroid City from Wes Anderson. Yeah. You know, when you're going into those movies that like they are movies dictated by art, yeah. not by business yeah. and way too many movies and TV shows are dictated by business, yeah. not by art or creative expression. And to me. That's the difference between content and art is art comes from, you know, inside of someone and it's an expression of something that they're carrying with them or they see or they've experienced. Whereas content is someone being like, that would be popular. That would make money. That would do something. And we have way too much content and not enough art. And Mm -hmm. I love a 24. I love, you know, Wes Anderson hit or miss, but like, I love that he's making art, not content. Yeah. Anyways, this is getting long, so we should really kind of finish up with what we don't like. I know we were going to talk about Colin Ballinger, Miranda Sings, 
Uh, she's being super stupid. Well, yeah, we, uh, there's not much to say. Fuck yeah. her. Her yeah. her apology was super fucking weird. And yeah. like, what the I, fuck I, is going on? Yeah. I will <laughs> say is that like everything's still an allegation. I do, even though it is very like overwhelming that she is has problems. I would just say that mm-hmm. uh, we are still in a society, at least in North America, is um, let's not judge them until they're proven guilty. Like that, that's all I'll say. It's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. So I mean it. But what she's doing, well, here's the biggest problem is that everyone's reacting to it, to her content. And, you know, they're using the ukulele song. And I was actually trying to find a ukulele so I could do that bit. Um, <laughs> is that she's now using copyright because she has registered yeah. that song as a weapon to get people to stop talking about her. But here's the problem with online culture is that they see that problem. They're just going to double down and just like, yeah. and just fuck you. Like Miranda, like Colleen, I never watch your content. Uh, I will never will. And looking back at your shit, uh, I I understand why I never got into it. And so, yeah. fuck you. I remember she was featured on something that Seinfeld did. And I mean, Seinfeld is no longer, you know, <laughs> seen as a good person. Yeah. Um, but he was did something and he in, in, included her. And I remember being like, she is not funny. No. Uh, and then all this stuff, I I didn't really realize how big of a deal she had been because mm-hmm. I just never found her funny. Yeah. Um. But like, she just couldn't have done it worse. Uh. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because it also leads to our other topic, yeah. which is just like general React content and copyright yeah. in that regard on YouTube. Yeah. Um. Like it's... React content to me is mm-hmm. is very fascinating. But sorry, John, yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, I was just gonna say it's very fascinating because. I saw it was a growing kind of category like two years ago because you would see streamers just watching content. And in my head, I was like, you know, back to what we were talking about, like just too much content. There is too much content. So they, I saw them not as a reactors per se, but kind of curators of content. Like Mm, they will go, Hey, this is hot. Like, this is cool. Watch this, watch that, like do this. And giving exposure to those people or whatever. But here's the problem is that now we have these really big creators reacting to content, but they're essentially stealing that content. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You don't share that ad rev that you go, oh, I'm going to watch. Like, here's the example that we're going to go with. XQC um, looking at Lumino's video about the JFK assassination. Lumino is a big mm-hmm. creator too. So it's kind of a funny kind of experience. But XQC is like phenomenally huge streamer he's making a hundred million dollars he doesn't need this money but he made content and you literally watch the entire video reacting to it and then put it on his youtube video like as a his own youtube video so he's getting views on that video on based on someone else video the only thing he's added to it going him going whoa no way oh oh crazy like i'm sorry xcc i respect you as a creator but your shit's kind of really lame i don't understand oh hundred percent. I feel yeah. like, yeah, to me, fair use, there's a lot of dimensions to like what, you know, constitutes fair use and it's got to be like transformative and it's got to, you know, not take away people's desire to consume that original content. Mm-hmm. So if it's like, like if it, if it fulfills so much of the, the original content's purpose, yeah. then it's, you have like part of it, you just haven't transformed it enough. Yeah. And like that react content, like you said, you're, they're curating that content for their audience to consume. And so yeah. like, I, I totally think that XQC is 100% in the wrong. Yeah. I like, you know, React content, mm-hmm. but it can't be the whole thing. It yeah. can't be. Yeah. Like you have to 
do it's supposed to be 10 second clips is like mm-hmm. the the generally accepted length for clips you're allowed to steal or if you get permission maybe a little bit longer or like if you work with them or pay them for a bit you can get rights for longer bits yeah but this totally fucked up norm of just like snatching people's content and then like watching it and like yeah. you said most of the time they fucking add nothing they'll pause like once in a while and be like yeah. oh yeah here's this random story i told and then they go back to the content they're like oh fuck yeah. oh shit that's crazy oh oh so and you're like yeah oh what the sorry yeah it, it's it's no, crazy no, no, yeah so like i mean i watch ludwig a lot because he does he kind of helps curate what's going on the internet but here's the thing is like is mogo mail situation is technically react but he explains what's going on he goes this is my take this is where this person might be wrong this might mm-hmm. person might be wrong and it it is transformative it i walk away going oh i learned something and yeah. this is the reason why i got this topic is because i actually watched ludwig's video technically mm-hmm. i'm reacting to his content but i'm not stealing it and yeah and it's just like, that's the kind of reaction I want. I just don't want to watch someone watching something so I can watch him yeah. react because that's just a weird situation too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also think, I think going back to, you know, what we were talking about before, yeah. there's something fucked up about people being unable to form their own opinions that they need to watch someone react to something to know what to feel. Yeah. And I find that like, it's not, it's not everyone. And I know some people are probably upset that I said that, but I yeah. feel like a lot of people that watch especially like you know more political streamers or yeah. or like you know more thoughtful ones are there because they're not trying to form their own thoughts or their own opinions or their you know own expressions no. they're looking to someone else to tell them what to think and i think that that's like kind of fucked up and like look at the country i'm in you, look at look at yeah, the country yeah. i'm in right now <laughs> yeah and like hopefully the people if they are doing that and if like that's an inevitable inevitability of being a yeah. human is that you need to look to someone to give you your opinions yeah they're looking to the right people but like to me if you go in that mode of being like i'm open to yeah. someone else's thoughts yeah it's like of course you get the andrew tates of the world of course you get the fucking calling ballingers of course you get like the awful people yeah. because you're just like i need someone else to think for me because thinking is hard thinking is really hard so think for me please please but so. anyways so I mean that's this kind of situation where I see it. Like I you I do like people curating content, but if you're just gonna blatantly steal, fuck off. Like yeah, fuck. Yeah. I actually thought that XCC is a hundred percent in the wrong in this yeah, case. I just saw this. Um, I'm like XCC. Like I I I came out another person. I think Viper AU called it out. And even like you know like I'm not gonna say anything else. But it's just like if we got content, if you're just gonna do it like that, yeah, just stop. Like I was like. There's so much content on YouTube. That's just one genre. Just make it own, make it your own. Like talk about it, but give mm-hmm. me something extra that that content never gave me. Just I don't yeah. care. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, yeah, I could not care less about that genre of content, and yeah. I have no no real respect for well, it. I mean, and it's also yeah. so fucking frustrating yeah. when you're looking for something specific on youtube and all you can fucking find is reaction videos yeah when you're like oh yeah this crazy thing happened let's find this clip and it's like no you can't find the clip you can find everyone reacting to it and they're like yeah. doing a 10 minute edit of like uh britney spears trips on stage i don't i don't fucking know but yeah. like i don't fucking want your content to exist so please yeah. do something better so here's a here's a, here's maybe a good um like an like maybe just this is the way to end it i'm just gonna end it like this so uh, here's an example. So, 
let's just say we had um like quarter digital right they have vfx um you know experts react to you know okay, scenes out there i like that like that's good yeah. react content because you have experts going oh that person did it really well because they did this use this tool or we did it like this or maybe yeah. to make it even better to like he's talking about his expert opinion to give it more depth to explain yeah. it to well, me and they often include yeah. like people that worked on the films that they're watching or they include the films that the person they have exactly. has worked on yeah so they can give you a real insight and content like that yeah. doesn't exist or like isn't you know immediately yeah. apparent by watching the content yeah so i i agree yeah that is good react content and yeah. i think like there is good react content you know there's funny fucking mm. react videos like old people react to fucking youtube slang i don't yeah. know it's but like because you, you get something like out of it because be fun yeah because yeah. you see like old people like they're reacting to it it's like oh you get their perspective like you get something yeah. i just don't want someone to be like oh, but the, oh my god i didn't know that yeah. was could happen like that, that stuff just doesn't yeah. add anything so just 100%. to end it off just give me something extra just don't just rip someone off done yeah cool yep. anyways let's go talk about what are we watching and what do we don't recommend? Okay. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, go first. Yeah, you go first. Okay. Yeah. So my my medium recommend this week, I watched, I finally watched the Flash movie. Uh, I pirated it um, because uh. I didn't really want to give Ezra Miller uh, production money. Yeah. Um, movie was pretty good. Uh, I thought it was clever and creative in some of its visuals. Yeah. Um, like I really like, yeah, all like the time travel stuff, like the way they show it visually, I thought it was yeah. really nifty. Yeah. I think emotionally I was engaged with like the mom stuff, like at the end, you know, all that, all that stuff was pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the, the thing I was really excited about is when, I mean, spoilers for the flash. Um, yeah. Is when, you know, young flash is starting to go evil. I was like, Oh, maybe the movie kind of knew that Ezra Miller was a creep. Uh, and they're going to like take that angle and have him end the movie evil. But yeah. no, they, they, you know, they, they have him confront himself and deal with that stuff. Mm. But I, I thought it was clever, nifty, uh, engaging. I thought the action kind of sucks. It's too CGE. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't feel real, although it's pretty cool, you know, having like um, uh, the stuff going around. I, I think Ezra, I can't tell if they know that Ezra Miller kind of sucks at moving. Yeah. Uh, like they, they clearly understand that because there's a great gag where he loses his power and he goes for a run and he runs like a fucking loser. Um, yeah. But then there's like moments where he's like, you know, grabbing dudes and slamming on his knee or punching people. And I'm like, he doesn't move right. Like he moves weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think the movie does, m- what my favorite thing that the movie does was the mult, like how well it did the multiverse stuff. Like yeah. we knew there was certain things that were going to be in the, tr- from the, in the movie from the trailer. Mm-hmm. And like I said, reiterating spoilers, um like we knew um michael keaton not michael kane michael keaton yeah. was gonna be batman but the way they introduce him is you know he's kind of like like crazy batman with long hair and he's like kind of giving up on the world um he's a recluse yeah. uh it's a fun way for him to start and then they kind of grow him and then you know he has to do a heroic sacrifice and like yeah. you're like damn dude okay shit fuck and it's like a great little arc for this old batman that we had but they dispatch of him so we don't yeah. need him anymore but then he goes back to his own universe because like kind of like the arc is like, you know, yeah. it's he goes back to save his mom, um, but he fucks everything up, butterfly effect. And so everything goes wrong and like all these multiverses kind of happen or whatever. And so he has to go back to that point and let his mom die. Mm-hmm. And that returns everything to normal. But when he goes back to normal, instead of being Ben Affleck Batman, which is his his 
home universe's Batman or Michael Keaton, which is, you know, alt universe's Batman. It's George Clooney Batman. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like, holy shit, what? <laughs> I was I was uh, so taken away from when I saw that. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, oh, I was like, at first I was kind of sad because like the Ben Affleck Batman at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of getting into him being Batman. And then now he's gone and I'm like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> I knew I knew he was gone. Like they've kind of like dispatched most of the Justice League. Like even Wonder Woman has a little cameo in this movie, but like this that's the last movie she's in. Yeah. I think it's a bit of no, a shame. Oh no, that no, no. It it's confirmed she's that she's back. Yeah. James Gunn got her back. I uh <laughs> don't care. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Gal Gadot's that particularly good actor. Um I think she DC went for kind of aesthetics over, you know, embodiments. Yeah. Like you think of I think Henry Cavill is a decent actor and he fucking looks like Superman. Yeah. But I don't think he embodies Superman. Yeah. Uh, I think Gal Gadot's an okay actor and she looks like Wonder Woman, but I don't think she embodies Wonder Woman in the same way that you're like, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Yeah. Chris Evans is Captain America. Uh, and like, I think Disney did a better job finding people that like, yeah, embody them that carry like the soul, the torch, the fire of that character. Yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing too. Like Chris Evan wasn't really well known. Well, like, he was relatively known because he did a lot of like heartthrob, like teen. Yeah, or movies. he he was uh, yeah. what's Johnny Storm in uh, the Fantastic Four? Yeah, movies. like he was like it. He wasn't doing that great when you thought about when you actually yeah. look at it before him, Captain America. Robert Downey Downey Jr. wasn't doing that great before Iron Man. So like. That's the thing is that they found actors that worked really well. DCU was trying to find actors to help add value, which yeah, it's not a good way. It's a mistake. Yeah. yeah. I So anyways, I don't want to stick on the flash too long. I thought it was it was pretty good. Uh and oh. if you're into it, I would recommend pirating it. Uh yeah. and watching it. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's here's one thing. The though you kinda like at first you like it's super corny, but then you kinda start loving it like when he's like doing his like flash prep running. He's like, yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty funny. I, I was worried at the beginning. I wasn't vibing with it. Yeah. Uh, and then like it kind of just like it, like you said, it kind of grows on you and yeah. you, you buy into the charm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was pretty good. I'd probably give it like a seven, maybe a high six. That, that's that's what was, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it was, it's better it was than good. you expected. Um, yeah. Yeah. For me. My, and then, oh, yeah. sorry. Oh, let, no, no. Yeah. I have a I have a do not watch, but it's going to be spicy. So why don't you go first? Yeah. yeah. OK, let me go with the to watch this this week. It, it is a anime, um, yeah. but wow. it's a very it's a very self-aware yet creative anime that I don't think anyone has actually done in that universe. So it's called Zom 100. And okay. it is about someone who needs who wants to do a hundred things before he dies. So <laughs> okay. here's the kind of weird aspect. It is a zombie anime, but it is in a situation where he's not sad about it. He's actually ecstatic about the zombie universe. About becoming a zombie? No, or, about, or being a, oh. about him actually being, this society has crashed and it's a zombie apocalypse because he is a worker in an exploited, exploitive corporation in Japan because Japan has these like kind of like crazy, stupid work cultures where you're there like a hundred yeah. hours a week and you're kind of like depressed and dreading to go to the next day. And you just see him in three years the last year, he's just like, oh, uh, like he's literally suicidal that he just does not 
But then the day that he wakes up to go to work, he's so like, you're just in a, like, I've, I've been where he was. Like you literally are just like dreading to go to work. Cause you just, mm-hmm. you're just trapped. You feel trapped yeah. and you can't do anything about it. But this, it, the situation of the zombie apocalypse that happened and it's so funny <laughs> him seeing first he's like oh no zombies he starts running and then he starts escaping and he starts realizing he's like oh i don't have to go to work <laughs> and he's like yeah motherfucker like so he's yeah. like so happy about it and it's That's awesome. awesome it's on netflix it is not dubbed so it's japanese sub and you okay. just see him like it's such an inspirational show because there's so many people out there probably in the same situation. Granted, yes, you can't quit, but also there's more to life than the day job. Like those things you can do if you can find time, hopefully maybe look at the small things to do to help bring that kind of light and kind yeah. of inspire you to be better. So yeah, there's only four episodes right now, okay. but it's a fantastic watch. If you have Netflix, go watch it. It's awesome. And I think Netflix is like doubling down on this because I'm even making a, like a, reality survival show about zombies maybe they, okay. they got japan to do it but i don't know but we'll it's it's great it's very colorful the art was is great the voice acting is fantastic just watch it it's awesome that's called zom 100 zom 100 100 things to do before i turn into a zombie or something like that okay yeah yeah that sounds pretty nifty yeah all right let's talk about the things not to watch uh mine john wick 4 <laughs> oh I- <laughs> I uh I want I I started it and I got probably about 35 minutes in. I think it kind of sucks. <laughs> I, oh, okay. I so, so okay, so I I understand why. I understand why yeah. you probably think it sucks cuz it is um storyline is okay and then the action is just like oh god like stop. <laughs> yeah, well okay, what I found I I've I've said this before. I think that like the weird world building they've like really invested to in John Wick is kind of dumb. Uh, you know, like the king of the homeless, the king of the hobos and like all the, like the continental was kind of cool when you didn't know that much about it. But the more I find out about this world, the more it's just like kind of dumb and video gamey in like a shitty way. Um, and I found that this was really bad for that of like, here's more rules to this universe that kind of make it more stupid. And I was like, okay, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Okay. Here's, uh, a person from John Wick's past that you haven't heard of from before, but they were really close. Oh, yeah. here's another person from John Wick's past that you've never heard of before. It was his best friend. Here's I mean, another person from John I, Wick's okay. past. To and it's like, be okay. fair, if you're gonna give shit for that, you have to give shit to Mission Impossible too for that. Sure. Same thing, Gabriel. Gabriel was like, I don't fucking know oh, I, this guy. 100%. I, <laughs> yeah. I, thought that was, I thought that was stupid, and I think yeah. I commented on that in that yeah. episode where it's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. But I think John Wick has done that too much, and I also hate... I, I think my big problem about the story comes down to I hate the way people talk in that movie. I think that like, it's oh, no, this oh, really oh, shitty, oh. direct, like weird... Lo- it's like really yeah. direct in yeah. terms of like what they're intentions and feelings are but then it's really cryptic because they've got to have like mystery about the world and the lore but i'm like the mystery in the world and the lore fucking sucks yeah and then it's like your your actual like emotion and character stuff is so surface level and crappy that i don't care but then the kicker and this is why i turned it off is i don't think the action is very good i thought it's like pretty okay but like a lot of it not just keanu because keanu is like you know he's getting a little old he's a little stiff 
and like he has to do stuff with oh, intention. And, like, I know a lot exactly of the action, what you're talking about. I you said 30 minutes. Yeah, so it's like that Japan? big Japan fight. Yeah, okay. I turned it off like yeah. during that because he's fighting. He fights Donnie Yen or whatever. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, no. so Donnie Yen fights all the dudes, and then yeah. I think he fights Donnie Yen. But I, I just thought every single Donnie Yen accepted. But every single stuntman, every single fight, every single thing in that movie felt really fake, very like choreographed, uh, and like yeah. not visceral and very like. I like Mission Impossible does it better. The Raid does it better. There's a ton of action movies that but done it better. It Man does it better. And so like when Donnie Yen shows up and he's fighting people, it's cool. But then no. I don't fucking know. And maybe <laughs> if I had finished the movie, yeah. it would have made more sense. I don't fucking know why they thought they had to make him a blind character. So because all that shit's fucking stupid. Yeah. No. So, when he's like, he puts yeah. the doorbell bells yeah, on the wall. Okay, I'm like, yeah, fuck this, you. This is, okay. I I knew I knew you're exactly what you're gonna talk about because <laughs> I also hated that part because you're like. Because I'll like spoiler for you, or spoiler for everyone else. Yeah. That's the last time you ever see that thing happen ever again. And it's just <laughs> okay, kind of dumb. Uh, I 100% agree. Like that part was this part to me, the stupidest part. It's like him setting yeah. up all these doorbells, all these motion sensor doorbells, and then they activate. I completely, I completely agree. They kind of really underutilized Don Yen since he's like a fucking god in action movies. Yeah, he's fucking great. And when he's yeah. actually fighting people hand to hand, yeah, he's the best one. He moves so fast; it's so intense. Yeah. But even all the stunt men in that movie fucking are so yeah. uninteresting. I I don't like the Japan scene the most. It does okay. get better. But here's the here's the thing. Reason why I like John Wick for is storyline. It's okay. Um, like the world building, I really did not care about the world building mm -hmm. at all. I just like to know about the struggles of John Wick. Cause maybe I'm sympathizing because I see my dad into John Wick because he's struggling like to get yeah. over my mom's passing. Like I have that emotional aspect to it, but also I kind of look at it as a very like maybe producing way. I'm like, oh, mm. like how did they do this? Like how much training and all this? But yeah, obviously a lot of other people are aren't watching it like that. I'm watching it. I really like them. But granted, I like stupid action movies. I love Extraction 1. I love Extraction 2. I get it. I think, I mean, I'm not going to force you to go watch it, but when you feel like there's nothing else going on, yeah, watch the rest. I'm playing, uh, I started Final Fantasy 12, and Final Fantasy 12 is a really good, you know, two-screen game where you play Final Fantasy 12 and you have all your shit automated and then you yeah. watch something. So oh, I could see myself one, yeah. going back to it. But uh, I, I, there's like, I, yeah. I think that, that franchise has kind of to me lost what made it interesting. Yeah. And like, I, I think like, I hate the lighting in those movies. Like, I feel like they're trying to go for, you know, that like, like just oversaturated, like monochromatic look of like, Oh, you're like going to deep, like deep red lights and like, you know, led stuff. You're going like, to, you're going to hate it's like the a fucking part. amateur. Yeah. It's just like, it feels like a bunch of fucking amateurs doing it. Yeah. Like, they're not getting the right colors out of these lights or like the yeah. whole scene's not illuminated enough. And it's just like, the DP was like, how many LED light strips can I put in one frame? You're going to like, really hate the Russian scene then. <laughs> I'm sure. I, yeah. And to me, it just feels like, yeah, like compare it to Skyfall. Like Skyfall has that one scene that is like maybe it's most in visually interesting scene at the top of the, the yeah. skyscraper in Hong Kong, Shanghai. I can't really remember. Yeah. But. There's a big LED wall yeah. playing video on the outside and they're fighting in this glass room. 
And it's fucking stunning. And it's like the colors are so rich and deep and exciting and the action yeah. is intense and it's like hardcore and it's well choreographed, mm-hmm. but it's like like in the end, it's a beautifully shot scene and it yeah. looks fucking fantastic. And I feel like John Wick's constantly going for that vibe and yeah. doesn't get anywhere fucking close. Like it's it's such a boring looking movie. Yeah. Even though like they're clearly trying to go for that cool look. Mm-hmm. Like I don't get it. I don't get why they're doing it so bad. Yeah, I would say I just like maybe like the later the later scenes you see it. The probably the last the second and last and last fights, like the big fights, you're probably gonna enjoy the most. Cause it's the that one, especially the last one, like the last group fight has the most kind of metaphoric physical storytelling about sure. John Wick himself. Um but yeah, I mean I'm not gonna disagree with you because I've now had some time to think about it. And you're like, yeah, the first one in the desert, that was a stupid shootout. I just don't understand why they did that. And then the Japan one, I think it's because they try to introduce so many characters to it that they kind of like fucked up a bit. And then, yeah. but the Russian scene is yeah. pretty good. Okay. And then the France scene is really good. I would say, yeah, don't, don't immediately go watch it. Cause you're kind of hot headed about it. Um, just 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 go just let just like let it yeah, die I, and I, rewatch it i think that's fine yeah, yeah. it's like it's on my plex now yeah. i I'll, uh, i won't i won't disagree I like if you don't like it you don't like it it's fine yeah. i'm it's not gonna i'm i'm it's not like i'm never gonna talk to you again maybe like <laughs> i won't message you for a while yeah. but i really enjoyed <laughs> but i'm not gonna yeah, i'm I not gonna disagree i'm not gonna disagree with has you. you would you say overall your franchise enjoyment like what's your like arc in terms of franchise enjoyment like for me yeah i enjoyed one quite a bit it's like i'd give it like a oh yeah 7.8 to a 9 yeah two was like a 7.3 three to me was like okay i'm kind of getting tired of the shit i, th- yeah. I think three is like better than two but i was like kind of already yeah. tired of it so and then this yeah. one feels kind of like continuing that downward trend so yeah the whole john wick franchise uh one's the best to me mm-hmm. i'd give that one a nine four sure. three I think two is probably the worst one because it's just okay. like I've re- I've watched all those movies stuff before at least four times and two oh, I'm wow. just like I always would just like oh I don't care about this anymore. That's There's funny. only one cool scene is him in Italy and getting outfitted because it's like kind of neat him like shopping yeah, around. That is a cool. And scene. then afterwards you're like oh him in the catacombs I'm like I don't give a shit. Him fighting common I don't give a shit. And then. Yeah. The only cool scene is him coming back to New York and trying to get to the Continental. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I can. I that, That's fine. Um, Fair enough. That's enough about John Wick 4. Why yeah. don't you tell me about the thing that we shouldn't watch? Don't watch this. God, like, you will thank me. Like, if you go against my wishes, <laughs> text, like, go on Twitter or X or whatever or Patreon and be like, you're right. Do not watch Secret Invasion. Holy shit. That is such a garbage show I've ever seen. It's no. just like, it doesn't make sense. I was half paying attention and I completely forgot episodes and I actually had to go back going, what are we talking about? <laughs> it's, it's a spy thriller with Nick Fury. It should have been super good because like Nick Fury is kind of like a God character in MCU, yeah. but it's just like, Samuel Jackson just like literally was just not there like into yeah. it. He's just like, I don't <laughs> care. I'm getting probably like a hundred million dollars for this. Uh, 
let's just kind of go because he's barely does barely any action. All the action is done by stunt people that you don't see his face. And they fucked up the ending. The ending is like the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I'm gonna spoil it. I don't care. Um Gaia or Emma Clark's character is now God because she has all the DNA and she's a scroll and she's a super scroll. So she's like literally like she makes Thanos probably look weak. Like sure. that's that's how it is. For it's as just, long as they need her to be strong, and then they'll find a reason yeah. for her to lose all her power just, or some shit. They just I don't understand. I was trying to give them credit going, oh, this is kind of cool. They kill Talos. They kill like so many cool people. Maria Hill's gone. Um, like, oh my God. It's like, don't watch this. This this show could almost critically screw up the rest of the show. Like the MCU. So, yeah. So I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched an episode and a half and I turned it off because I was like, this sucks. This is so boring. And it's like, there's it's so self-serious, but it's like, it's got nothing to say. It's yeah. so uninteresting. All the characters they're introducing, I'm like, mm-hmm really you're driving a show on them yeah. okay yeah. and so it's a shame because yeah nick fury is the fucking bad like baddest ass there is he's yeah. so sick but like i don't know man that show just like got it wrong yeah it just like <laughs> it's kind of dull show here's the thing is that it make nick fury look so like such a bitch because you're like oh mm. the reason why he knows everything is because he had like squirrels spying for him it's like a magician showing you a secret yeah and then you're like oh that's lame you're like, yeah, oh, totally. I, I like, like the only thing I've really learned from this is that Emily Clark, I, oh my God, I hope they do something because she's too powerful. Like, it's just dumb. Like, she's like one punch yeah. man, powerful. And, and yeah, also, I saw, like, I saw some of the like photos of her with her arms uh, changing and shit. Like, it looked yeah, dumb. It's just dumb. And also, I think, um, like, oh, and, and by the way, Nick Fury's been married this whole time. You're like, what? What? what <laughs> and you're like you don't really explain it don't really talk about it it's just don't watch it just god damn don't yeah watch it. yeah so don't don't watch secret invasion i i haven't watched as much as jono but i agree it sucked uh avoid hard avoid hard um just Wait. like you should avoid you know missing next week's podcast why don't you subscribe uh on youtube you can subscribe or you know whatever it is on our rss feeds on yep. apple Podcasts. leave a review on google yep. Podcasts. leave a review just anywhere leave a review leave for a review. us leave a five star uh, and then uh, you can reach us at our Gmail. Let's swing at 22 at gmail.com or our Twitter or axes. <laughs> I'm going to delete my ax. Fuck that shit. Uh, but it, for now, it's John Otan 86 and uh, the chosen David. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, no. uh, anything else? John? Is that, is that, is that it for this week? That's it. Thanks. Drumettes. Um, I, I'm losing my voice because I got so mad about that stupid show. Um, but you know who you are. <laughs> Thank you guys for supporting the channel yes. and then tune in I for next week. You all.